Hello everybody, it's Gary Stuckey with Real Music. On today's episode, an amazing drummer that you might know. Yes, it's Roger Earl, the drummer for Foghat, is here. Talking about their brand new album, going to be released on November the 10th. Can't wait, right? I've already been listening to it. But you'll be able to hear it November 10th. Get you one of those vinyl copies. Uh, it's called Sonic Mojo. and It is great yeah, you need to check it out. We're going to be talking about that and his career and so much more. Here we go. Here he is, Roger Earl. Uh, hey, the record is really good. Uh, awesome. Awesome. That's a cool cover. It That's is. A cool cover. Our brilliant manager did all the artwork. And then gets better. Oh, wow. I love that. That's so cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, um, nice, nice. I was playing it last night, um, just to check it out. Um, I'm really actually, I'm really the band is really pleased with the record, the way it sounds, and all the different tracks we got on it. It was, um, it was a lot of fun making the record as well. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, that's coming out November the 10th, is that's, that right? That's correct, yeah, awesome. Um, we're re releasing singles apparently, um. For some reason, uh, the 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 record world has changed. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's different from what it was. So, and the way you listen to music, though, I still um, actually I got a new record player for my birth, my last birthday. Uh, Scott Hull, our singer guitar player, has a record store down in Columbia, Tennessee. So he's really into vinyl and stuff, and. Uh, Mine was sort of piled up in a corner, not functioning anymore. So I was listening to stuff with CDs, which I'm fine with anyway. Yeah, I changed right. everything from cassettes and, uh, well, vinyl, then cassettes, then CDs. I don't really like listening to stuff on my phone, though I do have some in-ears that I have made for me, and it does sound good, but then you can't hear anything else. Right. Record player is my favorite. You know, you sit down turn the speakers on and sit just right in the middle. So exactly. functioning. Exactly. I that when I was growing up as, no, I say growing up, there would be, you know, a couple of, the first band I was in, uh, and we would, whenever a record came out, I remember when, when Jimi Hendrix's first record came out, you know, the three of us would sit, sit in, like, in the room and like, get the speakers just loud enough. Right. So and we go, wow. And then we put it on again. Yeah, those were the days. Never mind. But it's like um, I always think music should be like um, something you share. I mean, I enjoy that. You know, the camaraderie. Wow, listen to that. Do you hear that? And sure. uh, whereas now people wander around with oblivious to the world, but they're listening to something. So I suppose that's I suppose that's a good thing. I guess so. At least they're still listening. Uh... Yeah, the album, you know, back in the day when you'd get the, the album would come out and you'd get it and listen to it. And like you said, you got it in your hands yeah. as opposed to on a phone. And I th phones kind of distort the sound, too. I, I think, like you said, if you're right in the middle of a record, you know, playing a record and you're listening to like Led Zeppelin or something, I'm just saying you, you want to be right in the middle of that, kind of like at a concert feel instead of right. being a little device and you can't hold the song in the air. You know, you, you want an album. You want to see who wrote the song, who played. Uh, see, uh, just uh, like that. We got a story. Love it. I remember a couple of times with a couple of our early albums, our manager at the time, was he was a real Beatles fan, so he wanted to have the Black Album, the White Album. And, like, the first, the first album had some stuff on it, but not really stories. And then the second album... Rock and Roll Outlaws, I think it was. I mean, it was, you know, had some pictures. Didn't have any stories. And then we had Rock and Roll. There was no stories on there. It was just a picture of a rock and roll, which was cool. Um, and then the the back of it was just this white. And, I, and I'm going, why don't we have a story? But anyway, that's a different. Now we have a manager who gives a shit and she says, write <laughs> a story here. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm talking about. See? So that, and that, that is cool, though. I mean, you want that experience. You want that, that you know, 
you want to read all about the band. You want to hear stories. That's why we do interviews. You want to hear all these stories. You want to find out stuff you didn't know. Yeah, and I guess. Uh, you know. One of the things that we did with this, it, it was, I don't know if it was deliberate. It just happened that way. You know, when we're sort of, we had a, probably about another 10 or 12 songs that didn't go on the record because we liked these ones and it was like, that was it. But every song is like, um, I don't think any of the songs are more than four minutes. Most of them are between three and four minutes. I, I don't know if it was deliberate because this band is, uh, has a pension for like saying things like, you know, 10 minutes later, you stop the song. <laughs> <laughs> ideas but this time around we um i think i think we just like the arrangements and the way we crafted the song it was it was deliberate you know it was like why have a 10 minute guitar solo i mean we know everybody can play in this band actually that's one of the really cool things with this band we have two great guitar players scott holt joined us well i've been i've known scott scott since 2015 no 2014 was the first time i met him <clears throat> so he's actually been involved in the band throughout then uh he played on our last studio album under the influence and we also did a record called <clears throat> Earl and the agitators which is basically fog as it is today um it was one of the, uh, the band always uh back in 2014 we uh i broke my back i think it was in 2010 i fell off the stage and uh cracked two vertebrae i was out of action for about four or five months yeah it wasn't good <clears throat> but they glued me back back together and then we decided well maybe we should have you know uh, somebody as a as a stand in if we something happens which isn't easy with this band because you know, Brian Bassett, our lead and slide guitar player, is like absolutely brilliant. You know, um, Rob Price was probably one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best slide guitar players ever in that sort of rock and roll blues genre. Um, <clears throat> so replacing us for uh, uh, some dates or two is difficult. But um, a very good friend of mine, Bobby Rondinelli, stood in for me. We had like 14 dates on the books that we had to do. So... Uh, it's just something we did. Anyway, uh, Scott came down. He was recommended by a friend of ours to be a, uh, to stand in for Charlie Hune, who was our singer at the time. <clears throat> so we have, you know, standing in the wings, we have clone fog hats. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just hope we don't have to use them anymore. <clears throat> no, yeah. no, people are pretty healthy at the moment, so we're good. That's good. That's always good. Um... But, but the thing is, the promoter puts all this money up <clears throat> and we usually get uh you know 50 percent ahead of the date so that we can pay for uh flights and all that stuff so it's it's rough if you have to cancel a date everybody loses and uh and it's kind of tight out there anyway like promoters like you know staying ahead of the game and like keeping their profit margins because bands are greedy no we're not we play for free <laughs> Yeah, of course you do all the time when you're at home, you know, by yourself, you have to, you have to get out of your system. Um, mm -hmm. So how, how did you come up with the name uh, Sonic Mojo? Now, mo I, when I think of Mojo, I think of Austin Powers or losing uh, his mojo. Oh, how do you no, not, no. how do you lose your mojo? You know? uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read it to you. Go ahead. Sonic, adjective. A frequency with the audibility range of the human ear of waves and vibrations. Mojo. Noun. A charm. An amulet. Thought to have magic powers. So, <clears throat> actually, um, Sonic, actually, I think it was our manager, probably came up with that first. And Scott came up with Mojo. And I made the decision to join them to the two together. Uh oh, the manager just walked in. Uh -oh. Don't say anything bad. I might, might, I mustn't tell any porky pies. <laughs> <laughs> Save those for later. Yeah, no, no, it's the manager. It's all her fault. Um, so yeah, that's a 
it was um it it's always uh normally i guess you'd have a, a song title that's on the album like fall for the city or something but uh it's sort of interesting coming up with a title for the album but it seems to work because we've got you know there's two or three like blue songs on there uh you know there's obviously we've got a chuck berry song on there um so uh, it's we've got a, a country tune on there by written by uh, a great country writer and and singer and performer. And my brother Colin wrote a song about Hank Williams, which is one of my favourites on there. Um, he'd wish he wish he'd been around when Hank Williams came to town, but. Uh, Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked it. Have, have you heard the record? Yeah, I, I've, I've been listening to it. Good stuff. Oh, that That's something to think about, though. Uh, that classic sound, how do you maintain that classic sound when there's so many other sounds out there musically? How do you keep it to your original kind of a sound that you have? I don't think it's that so much as uh, it's, it's our influences. Everybody in the band... Uh, we have very similar tastes in like the reasons we got into playing music, you know, Chad Berry, Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker, and obviously some great sort of country tunes and guitar players. It's basically American music. You know, this is the land of music. When I, uh, when I was growing up in uh, Southwest London and central London, um, I would listen to, well, uh, Sun Records, Jerry D. Lewis, uh, Little Richard probably had one of the greatest rock and roll bands ever. Certainly one of the best drummers. Uh, what was his name? Um, oh, Palmer. Uh, that was one of my early influences. Um, just American music. This is the land of music. Um, you know, when the Africans got dragged here, they brought their rhythms and, and everything else. I mean, without that the blues was the basis for any all contemporary music, as far as I'm concerned. Blues. I agree. Then we got jazz, then we got like bebop, rock and roll, and of course, country music, like comes from, I guess from like, you know, some of the tunes and melodies come from the English, Welsh, uh, Scottish, Irish, uh, Spanish, you know, from Spain and France too, probably. And there's this wonderful melting pot in this country. And as far as America has given music to the world, the the way the world listens to music, I mean, some people might not sort of go along with that, but I know where it comes from. It comes from here, my adopted home. This is the land of music. And uh, I think it's one of um, the US's greatest assets, the fact that we we have that wonderful joining of sounds. I mean, uh, you know... Uh, it, country, uh, it, bebop, um, religious music, uh, gospel music, especially. There's some wonderful, yeah. some wonderful music has come out of that. The joy of, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I believe in God. But it's like you you hear gospel music, you've got to move. You know, you want to move. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. I know all about that, yeah. Um, I'm from Alabama. Talking about Hank Williams. I mean, he grew up about 50 miles from here. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, music moves you. And it's something that we all can agree on. You know, we, we might be, you know, having wars here and there and arguments, but we can come together for music. Isn't that always nice, right? Right. That, um, I, and I, I know how fortunate i am um i mean it you know i mean uh, ever since i i was uh probably there was always music in our house uh, where i lived my father played piano somewhat in the style of like fat swallow that heavy handy kind of like that and uh in fact he was the first one who brought a jerry d lewis single into the house my father and he took me to see jerry d lewis when i was 12 or 13 I was never the same after that. <laughs> How can you? You can't be the same after listening to something. <laughs> no, well, he, was, he was a huge influence on me. 
Well, tell me this now, the album, uh, I know, of course, you were in uh, Savoy Brown and, you know, uh, the late, great uh, Kim Simmons. You got some songs written with him. How did you get involved with him and uh, recording some songs? Well, about um, after we left Savoy Brown in 1971, I reconnected with him in around 76 and we stayed in because we both got busy for a while. And we stayed friends over the years. Um, and about 10 years or so ago, um, I think our manager was instrumental in getting Savoy Brown with the same agency as us. So then we got a chance to do shows together. Um, our last uh, studio album, Under the Influence, I invited Kim to come down and play on a bunch of the tunes, um, which he did. And it was uh, it was magic. And... Uh, then after we finished the sessions, we finished the sessions in two or three days down in Nashville with our producer at the time, Tom Hambridge. And Kim and I were just talking. She said, and he said, I'd really like to write some songs for Fogcat. And I said, oh, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, then we had the COVID nightmare and that sort of slowed everybody down. Um, right. But Kim sent me... Um, four basic tracks like with his singing his guitar and i think it's like to a click track or something um and uh we got our grubby little fingers on them there was the one song we didn't put on but that will go on the next record i think um and the and at the time i said to kim that would be great but you have to play on them unfortunately uh kim became ill and he couldn't uh he actually couldn't play. In fact, his last actually record with Savoy Brown that he made, he was playing just slide guitar because he had issues with his fingers. It was pretty sad. I talked to him about two months before he passed, but there was I couldn't actually I couldn't actually talk to him in the hospital. I don't know that would have been a good idea anyway. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was it was it was a bit rough. Um, I went to his uh, his funeral. Um, and that that was I, I should say uh, I can't really say that it was good, but it was very uplifting the way everybody had something really really kind and real to say about Kim. He touched so many lives, um, a lot of drummers actually, uh, but everybody he worked with had something to say about the man. Um, he was uh, he was very well read. Uh, he was a fantastic blues guitarist. I think that's the one thing that how he wanted to be remembered as a blues guitarist more than anything. And he was. He always stayed um, faithful to uh, his influences from the very beginning. Yeah, it was a sad day when we lost him and he couldn't play on the record, obviously. But uh, I think uh, I think we did a real number on his tunes. <laughs> I'm sure he would be happy with that, too. Yeah, yeah, we took liberties. That's awesome. Uh, you know, musically, uh, y'all are known for playing, you know, live, and y'all have a lot of fun live and a great sound. How how do you capture that? Like on a new album like this, how do you how do you capture that onto a on a studio album? All that energy that you you know that that whole sound. How do you do that? Uh, smoke and mirrors. No. <laughs> of course uh, no, we, uh, we, have own, we have our own studio down in Deland, Florida it's on 10 acres in the middle of nowhere and and it's it's a house uh, we've got four bedrooms so the band stays there We it's um, there's no red lights uh, Brian Bassett, our lead and slide guitar player is also our engineer and producer and co-produces everything with the rest of the band but he's absolutely brilliant um, I think that's something I've learned over the years. If I'm working with somebody who obviously has some real talent, I I get maximum out of it. It's like, so you engineer things? Well, we'll build a studio around you. Um, <laughs> Bob Ryan, now actually, uh, I think he, he loves every moment of it. Um, he's probably one of the best people I know. He's, he's an absolutely brilliant guitar player in fact everybody in the band um we uh it's, it's a band i think in every sense of the word you know sometimes when you're on the road 
you know, we do, uh, we fly into most of the dates, but occasionally we have to do some overnight drives, uh, you know, either in a sprinter or we'll have a couple of station wagons or something. And, uh, you know, it's four or 500 miles. I mean, that's a trek and nobody's getting much sleep. Everybody argues about, I'll drive. No, no, let me drive. It, nobody moans. It's, uh, you know what? It's like, it's all about that hour and a half. Actually, we're up to about an hour and 45 minutes now um, of music. Everything else is like, hurry up and wait. And I, you know, we, what sort of what sort of sandwich are we going to get today? It's like, <clears throat> it's all about the music. Um, I'm one of those fortunate few in this world that got to earn a living and made a career out of something that I love doing. And likewise with the rest of the guys in the band, um, uh, Rodney O'Quinn, who joined us what seven years ago, was on bass uh, because Craig McGregor, our longtime bass player, um, had cancer. Um, we, at the time, we had three or four different bass players playing in the band because I said to Craig, you let me know when you can't play anymore. Because uh, if we'd have a date, like, say, with Deep Purple or uh, uh, ZZ Top or uh, somebody, Craig would say, uh, I, I feel like what coming out and playing with that one. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, make it. He knew all those guys. We, we grew up together. Um, that that was a rough one. But he actually, Craig McGregor handpicked Rodney O'Quinn. He went to see Rodney was playing with Pat Travers Band, great band, mm -hmm. and uh, Craig went to see him at, at, uh, near his home out in Pennsylvania, and. Um, invited Rodney back to his house the following morning for, for for breakfast. Craig was a great chef too. And uh, later on that day after Rodney left, Craig called me up and he said, yeah, you you want Rodney O'Quinn? He's like a mini me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got the okay from um, his uh, bandmates and... Uh, we stole Rodney O'Quinn. <laughs> and the rest is history. I'm sure yeah, he was happy for that, for the right. compliment too. Right. Well, uh, let's let's rewind the clock a little bit, shall we? Uh, now, I always wondered, you know, I know you've been asked this question 10 million times, but I always want to know what a fog hat, what is a fog hat? It, do you wear a fog hat? You are a fog hat. <laughs> I'm a fog hat. Uh, Rodney O'Quinn's a fog hat. Brian Bassett is a fog hat. And Scott Holt is definitely a fog hat. Um, I think all previous other fog hats would have uh, would have okayed the fact that we got Scott Holt into this band. Yeah, he's a fog hat. Uh, it's, uh, actually, it was a word that Lonesome Dave made up when he was uh, a kid. And uh, it's like a Scrabble-type game. But... Um, yeah, we're all fog hats. Uh, of course, there were sort of connotations with like smoking and stuff back from our first album. There's smoke coming out of Luther's head, but um, no, we're I'm a fog hat, and we That's got good. fog hats. We got fog hats all over the place. They turn up from time to time at a bunch of concerts with us. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that you recognize them from the crowd. You can tell. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. See the difference. There's one. There he is. The guy with the fog on his head. Uh, well, when when y'all started out, you know, uh, like with uh, Savoy Brown, why did y'all decide to form this this band, this Fog Hat? What what was the reason? You know, I think um, it was time for a change. Um, Tony Stevens was fired for whatever reason. I don't recall. He was a good bass player. Um, Dave and I. Uh, when after we talked to Kim and the, and his manager, that was his brother, uh, we decided the next day that we'd leave. We talked to Harry Simmons, the manager, and said, "Look, we'll leave, but we'll stay until Kim puts a new band together," uh, which worked out for for us. Um, and Kim also, uh, Savoy Brown, had a number of hit records and a great deal of success after we left. So, um, I think it's just time to move on. Um, there was other reasons as well, but um, my relationship with Kim, certainly uh, uh, throughout the Savoy Brown era that I was in the band, was great. Uh, we never had crosswords. It was always um, 
and the same with Dave as well with with Kim. Uh, we got on really well. There was a we we were really comfortable working with each other. We trusted each other musically. So <laughs> that's good. There you go. There's <laughs> there you go. There's the fog hat. That's where it came from, right there. That cap. I, I will. I will. In, in fact, I have a collection of hats for the for the day when I lose all my hair. But up to this point, I've been okay. <laughs> you're, you're doing good. Keep going. Hey, yeah. that's a fog cap. That's, that's yeah. So fog. technically, it's not a it's not a hat. It's a fog cap. You got to change your name. Change the name of the band to Fog Cap. Fog Cap. Right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, whenever the band started out. Uh, you know, you were a few albums in, you know, and then, you, of course, you had uh, the song uh, Slow Ride. friend of oh. mine, uh, Neil, a friend of mine, he's a drummer. And he's like, he was he was watching the movie uh, Days of Confuse. And there's a part in there, you know, with Foghat, you know, the song Slow Ride. Yeah. And he wanted me to ask you about the drum you know the intro there how did you come up with that that's a really cool intro for that <laughs> uh actually i have to blame our producer and our bass player at the time nick jameson um we actually we uh nick had just joined the band and uh we had i had a shared a house out on long island with rob price um our lead and slide guitar player i was living up in woodstock up in bearsville at the time but we shared a house down here we had the basement soundproofed. Anyway, Nick joined the band, uh, and I and he and I drove down from Woodstock, and um, it was one of the first songs we did. It came from a jam, um, you know. Uh, Nick Jameson said to me, "Hey, Rog, just go bang." I said, "Bang." He said, "Yeah, go bang." It's two and four, the two floor toms and bass drum. Also on the record. Uh, Nick and I were stamping on uh, wooden crates as well. We added that to the, to the stamp. Just go bang! It's a very, <laughs> it's a very earthy noise, you know. Tom toms, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun making that record. But um, it all came from a jam. Nick Jamieson arranged all the stuff, like you know the breakdown and. Uh, Nick and I were very tight as far as friends, and he's an absolutely brilliant musician and producer. He can play anything and everything really well. Don't you hate people like that? <laughs> Us being mortals, like, struggle with one instrument, and then there's these other people, like, who play everything great. Don't you hate them? <laughs> well, there's a few people like that out there. Yeah, you, you throw darts at their picture, but it's okay, right. though. It's okay. <laughs> Take that, you. Going in the nose, <laughs> right there. Uh, well, that those songs, like you know, especially that song. Uh, yeah, it's a jam song. You know, that song was really long, right? Aren't there different versions of that song that's like really, really long? Yeah. When uh, after we'd finished recording, we were recording up in uh, Sharon, Vermont uh sun treader studio it was in the middle it was on the top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere and we took about three months off the road to actually make that record so that that was really cool the fact that we could actually concentrate on you know making the record the previous records other than the first one were done a couple of weeks at a time at various studios you know across the states or even in um wales uh we did some stuff over there as well but um it was the first time since the first record that we actually took the time off. So, uh, that, yeah, the record was very successful, and I and it was because I think we took time, and that's one of the things that that we do now. We take our time with the record. It's not a race, you know. We we are the record company, or rather, our manager is the record company. Without her, nothing would get done. We just sort of start loading her up with songs and saying, "Can you do something with this? Can you put a record together, please?" Right. <laughs> well, you're talking about taking time to listen. Like when you're recording an album, do you sit back and record the album? Like you know, a few parts here, a few parts there. Do you listen to it and go, ah, I need some of this, 
I, what do you listen for when you're trying to find greatness in a song? Most most of the time, uh, January, February, March, around that area, we get that's when we spend most of our time in the studio because the rest of the time during the year, you know, we're on the road or busy. Um, so we, uh, because of the way we had the studio is set up, you know, there's no red light. Uh, you know, we're we're in charge. Oh, God help us. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Um, we and it's we have fun with it. It's we sit there, we play, uh, we have ideas. Everybody has ideas of songs, of riffs, and also sometimes you know when we're doing sound checks, um, we'll we'll just start playing, and one of the bright people in the band will probably start recording it with their phone if they've got any sense, and we try to sift through those. I've got one somewhere. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. right. Uh, but um, it's making music is like fun, um, you know. And if something's not working or we're struggling with something, leave it alone. Um, but usually we find a way to get something to function. And often, like uh, you know, something will have on one song doesn't go any further than like that one riff, and then we go, hold on a second. This would go well in here. It's um, yeah. It's uh, making music is uh, a lot, of, a lot of fun and enjoyable. Um, you know, you you're serious about it because you want your um, uh, you know, what you're actually playing and doing to the best of your ability. And some bands and some musicians even struggle with that to the nth degree and can't let something go or finish it, which I can. Actually, I was talking about that with some friends of ours just the other night. And it is um, it is kind of troublesome, I think, as, as far as an artist goes or a guitar player. Or, but the way I play, the way I, and I've always played, I play for the song. I'm, I'm, I'm the drummer in a band. I'm not doing solos or drum fills because I can. I listen to the music, I listen to the singer, I listen to the words, I listen to the lead, uh, the guitar. More importantly, the bass player and I are uh, yes. we're, we're tight. Um, and I've been fortunate throughout my career, I've always played pretty much with great bass players. Right from the very first band I was in, uh, my friend Dave Hutchins, just back in England when I, we were kids, we were best friends, and he was a great bass player, still is. And... Uh, throughout my history uh without the bass and drums they're nothing they're nothing without us <laughs> craig, uh, craig, craig mcgregor and i were, craig had this say, saying he said he said here yeah, rog he said uh we uh we laid down the road for them to travel on which i thought was pretty cool uh yeah, craig McGregor very tight that's that is something to think about that you know, for people that don't understand that, they need to pick up a bass or play drums. I didn't realize that for years. I mean, I always played guitar, but then I played bass too. And, you know, hanging out with a drummer, you're like, like you said, it's like the foundation. You take that, it's like taking somebody's skeleton out. You yeah. got nothing but a big pile of flesh. Uh, nothing without us. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> remember that. I always there remember. Again, there, there again, uh, I don't, I don't know. A drummer would get away with playing it for an hour and 45 minutes. After about five minutes, it'd be like, all right, let's do something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I play in a band. Well, uh, for all these years, I mean, over 50 years of playing, I mean, what, talking about Mojo, hey, what, what keeps you going? Uh, after all these years to play playing that good for all these years, you got to get tired sometime. What keeps you going? <laughs> and then, and like that, he passed out. That's uh, the end. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've had, um, you know, playing drums, you know, there, it's, there's a physical side to it. You know, I play drums in a rock and roll band, so it's not like, you know, I'm like doing sort of light stuff. I mean, I, I play the drums. Um, you know, uh, throughout the years, I've had work done on my hands, my both my shoulders, my right knee, uh, my big toe, especially on my right foot, even though I use double, 
double bass drums. The right one has put has to sort of deal with most of the work. Um, but during my time, uh, my manager finds um, suitable surgeons to fix me, and and there's all sorts of uh, glue out there you can use. Um, Platelet-rich plasma, like can heal stuff. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on now in the in the especially the sports medicine world that can actually help. <laughs> Some, oh, okay, there you go. Just tape. It's tape head. It's tape head. Just tape it back together. Tape your foot and your leg, and you'll be all right. Actually, um, when I was during the last uh, year of recordings on this album, um, I tore my uh, shoulder. Uh, my whole shoulder fell down. It was hanging on by threads. So oh, I had to tape my arm up with this athletic tape uh, to hold the muscle in place. After about two or three hours of playing, um, I had to sort of stop. But um, a good half of the, the album was done like that. And then, uh, then I had there's a there was a a surgeon in Manhattan that uh, our manager found, and he pulls this muscle back up and all the tendons and reattaches them to the bone. And uh, that took about two or three months for me to recover on from that. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I get glued back together and uh, <laughs> strong like bull. Hey. <laughs> And you're still going. I mean, it's, um, you know. And throughout the house, I have, there's a pad, practice pad here. I have an electronic drum kit up in uh, one of the bedrooms. I also have a pad and a pedal in the bedroom. That may have to go one day. <laughs> but I also, <laughs> I also have my real drums in a shed out in the garden. Um the neighbors are fine. Apparently, they kind of like it when I'm out there playing. Um, of course they do. <laughs> of course they do. Actually, I, I have some terrific neighbors. They're really, really good people. So they uh, they put up with the noise. Um, uh, yeah, I love my work. I love my job. Uh, I play drums in a great band, and I have three bandmates. Well, you know, the neighbor, talking about the neighbors, you probably keep them satisfied because they they take requests. You take requests, and you do a few songs of their their faves, right? Yeah. Now, when I, when I sit at my drums in the in my out there, I'm, uh, you know, like um, if I have some a couple of times, you know, especially when I was recovering from shoulder surgery or knee surgery or hand surgery, um, then I have to sit down on my drum kit and re get things, you know the crossing over like that and getting your hands and your feet up to speed. Um, but that's also, and it's, <clears throat> there's like a, a rip, it, with a drummer, it's head, hands and feet. Up here, you're hearing, you know, the music and then you have to get it out of here to your appendages. And right. there's a physical side of it where, you know, everything has to be, um, up to speed uh, I, I guess it's sort of like it's an athletic side of it certainly with you know playing in a rock and roll band you know but there are probably other forms of uh percussion that nah, you have to bang everything you have to bang what about people who play uh congas and timbales and stuff congas i don't know they i play congas on, on, on a number of records but like after about two or three takes it's like I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> it's rough, I bet. <laughs> and, and, and I've met some uh, really great like percussionists who play like with their hands, and they're like claws. I don't. Uh, but hey, this fun bashing stuff, you know, kicking, bashing, crashing. I mean, you can get away with it too. Yeah. Nobody arrests you. you yeah, know, right. it's always good. Um, what about? practicing i mean you've got drums set up everywhere you get bored you say i think i'll play the drums how long is your session if you're just sitting around yeah you go yeah play something for me a little play the intro to uh slow ride can you hear it hmm. oh yeah 
Oh, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) That was the uh, unplugged version. Now released. Awesome. Uh, But how do you prepare like before like a show or if you're, you know, when you're going on a series of shows or a tour or something, what do you do to prepare for this? It's like an athlete. Do you have to get, you know, a lot of work in? Because, you know, you go from not playing to playing. You got to be for a drummer. It's got to be kind of rough to go from Uh that. Yeah, I um, you know I exercise regularly. I stretch. I, I work out with light weights, bands, stuff like that. Um, I I have a voracious appetite, and I try very hard to eat sort of real food. But you know, like sandwiches are probably my favorite. No, um, I I love to cook. Uh, I love to eat. Um, Me too. And, uh, playing. Uh, I I carry uh, a pedal with me and a pad which I set up in my hotel rooms. So, and the pad, you know, it can get noisy and the pedal is on a, uh, a, a beater. So uh, I asked for a ground floor room and put me away from anybody. That doesn't always happen. Uh, I try not to play after nine o'clock at night. Anybody who's going to bed before nine, I mean, that's not my fault. I'm sorry. You know, I'm a rock. <laughs> I don't usually go to bed yeah. until morning, but right. uh, uh, no, I practice regularly. I, I bring, like I said, a pad and a pedal with me. Um, and it's, uh, it's, um, it's, I've been doing it for long enough, whereas I can pick it up. But if I have, you know, a recovery period when I've damaged something, then that's, that takes a while. That usually takes a couple of months before I'm back to where I think I'm okay. Um, you know, there's some fast songs that folk have played in the past, which is, you know, challenges are good, even at my time of life. <laughs> <laughs> They're always good. Yeah, a challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, now life is good. Life is good. And uh, it's, it's good. Good. This record. Well, uh, talking about the record and uh, challenges, what, what you know, when you're recording or you're getting ready for the album, what excites you when you actually get ready to record? Do you have these ideas in your head about what to play? I mean, because I'm thinking once again about the slow ride. You know, if, if you're if you're thinking of all these little parts, I know you do what's right for the song, but how do these ideas come uh, to you where you want, I'm going to do this, I'm going to hit that. How do you do that? magic it's just magic <laughs> you wave a wand <laughs> magic um Put on the phone. generally speaking um with this last record um everybody in the band has input as far as like the creative juices either a riff uh lyrics a, uh, a title a line um words uh everybody's involved in it but um pretty much myself and Scott Holt start the process. Like we'll be sitting there, like um, either with something that Brian's brought uh, to it, or uh, Scott and I have like had ideas or lyrics or um, a, a, or about a story. That that's also you know it's um, and so we just sit and work on stuff. And often um, we'll j- when we the four of us will get together uh, in the studio, we'll just start playing, just play, you know. Somebody would just play a riff or even a song that I've never played anyway. Um, and just work on stuff. And, you know, it's um, playing music is like fun. It's, you know, uh, in fact, Brian uh, had a, a had this wonderful way of describing what making music is. He said, I'm going to paraphrase here. Um it's like having a conversation uh, and that's what you're doing when you, when you're being creative and making music, you listen to each other and you, you're having a conversation. And I thought that was, that sort of sums it up really. Um, I am seriously hearing challenged. So uh, the conversations sometimes you have to shout with me. <laughs> I don't take offense to people shouting at me because then I can hear. Um, 
but well, that's good. yeah the um, audio has has changed over, over the years you know the hearing aids and and how people you can listen like in ears and it's molded and stuff like that uh so you know you survive but um you know playing drums when i've been playing drums for well over 60 years now you know it's got to take its time actually the the probably the reason my hearing is really challenged is because over the years sometimes um monitor people when we have our own monitor person it's fine but over the years the monitors because you, you want to listen to you want to be at, on a big stage especially you want to be able to hear the vocals you want to be able to hear the lead instruments whatever you're doing and so you'll have a monitor either either left and right or behind you and this has happened to me two or three times over the years the monitor you know you're saying no can you just turn the, the vocal up a little bit and then I'll say, no, no, it's not in there. Yes, it is. Right. No, it, no, it's not in there. And the monitor guy say, yeah, it's in there. Uh, no, it's not. And the, there's no guitar over there either. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's not in there. And they have a button that's called a mute. Now, they've turned all the faders up. And they say, it's in there. And then they press the mute button. And this howl comes up and surrounds you. And two or three times, yeah, twice, I remember, my ears started to bleed. But That's not I, I, we don't have that problem anymore. Uh, Thank that, God. That, that has happened uh, over the years. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be rough though you're but, depending uh, on somebody hey, to help you out soldiers have to go to work they, and they, they say rock and roll when they go but um, <clears throat> my job is uh, a lot different it's not a war zone It's uh, I'm having conversations with some great musicians yeah exactly uh, but those ears are can be damaged but you know that's not the thing well, there's some big speakers right there in front of you, and you're already playing. The drums are going to be loud. You have to play a certain, you know, you know, loud enough for everybody to hear, of course. But you're right, though. You got to hear everything, or you, it's going to mess you up. Uh, well, yeah, you know, songs move up and down in the way you play. But I play. There's a level that I play at, and other, you know, drummers play at a certain level that they're comfortable playing at. A drum will only go so loud, you know, uh, you know, controlling your instrument, which you do, you know, there's, there is some finesse in playing, you know, especially with, uh, you know, playing shuffles and like jazz and stuff like that. You, just the way you have to play to build stuff and that you've always got to have room to go somewhere and, you know, and to like lift a solo or lift a certain passage in a song. Uh, but uh, yeah, I play loud i mean i play it's a there's a physical level that you play out of the when the, when you're playing a song if you listen to uh would listen to the first song like um she's a little bit of everything you listen to that i start the drums off and you can tell that i'm not going you know i'm, I'm playing right. Right. and if actually on this record i last night i put the record on just to hear it again we had some friends over and uh I seem to start off a lot of the songs with the drums, but that's because when we're recording, you know, I basically I set the tempo to where I think the, you know, the cadence of the vocals or the guitar or the bass or the way the song is. And uh, so other times I would count the song in, but other times I'll just start and then we, we have a take. That's great. Let's keep that. Um, so it's, um, it's uh it's a fascinating process and i love it it's good fun awesome. awesome um you know over the years of playing i'm sure you've played with so many people uh that you've enjoyed what, what's what's one of the most memorable moments uh with a band maybe that you toured with that you just you know loved and you just couldn't stop thinking about it over the years is there some tomorrow magic there's always magic when those certain bands tour together you know there's got to be something going on there 
Yeah. Um, now, there's a number of bands over the years that I love touring with. Um, Jay Giles' band is probably one of the best American rock and roll, R&B bands, blues bands ever. Uh, they were tighter than a duck's ass, and that was watertight. Uh, <laughs> uh, Humble Pie was probably one of the uh, – Stevie Marriott leading it was probably one of the best bands ever. Um, ZZ Top, uh, I mean, you go to – you listen to ZZ Top and you just have to move. You can't stand there. Even when they play a slow blues, you've got to move. Um, there's just so many – Great bands that we've toured with. Um, uh, the list goes on and on and on. You know, I played with some of my musical heroes. I played with Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker, wow. uh, Johnny Winter. You know, we were, there was 1977. Uh, Fog had did a tribute to the blues at the New York Palladium. Uh, and I think it was the idea of a publicist at the time, but myself and Dave and Rod, latched onto it. Well, we get to play with all our musical heroes. Yeah. So Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker, uh, Paul Butterfield, uh, Johnny Winter, uh, Eddie Kirkland, uh, Willie Big Eye Smith played with Muddy's band. And eventually, you know, Foghat was the house band and we played with everybody. And then we did uh, at the very end of the night, we did Muddy Waters' version of I Just Want to Make Love to You with the whole ensemble. Yeah, that was a highlight of my life. When you play with your musical heroes, I mean, I've uh, met, um, you know, so many people and they always, like Willie Dixon, who was the uh, architect of rock and roll. I mean, he without Willie Dixon, there would be no rock and roll. Um, he wrote, I just want to make love to you. He was the producer for Chess Records. I mean, with with chess records like uh, I mean it was uh, Chuck Berry. I never got to meet Chuck. I was close once or twice. Quick story, Chuck Berry. Sure. sure. Nineteen seventy four. We're doing a show down in San Diego. Jay Garza was on the show as well. Um, Foghat and Chuck Berry was on. Now, Lonesome Dave and I are huge Chuck Berry fans. That again. There will be no rock and roll if it wasn't for Chuck Berry. A whole bunch of bands would be out of work. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, anyway, Chuck's up there. He does his thing. He's coming down the steps with his guitar and his money bag. And he gets paid in cash or got paid in cash, I should say. And we asked our manager to ask Chuck if we could have a picture taken with him. So our manager goes up to... Chuck Berry and and says, "Excuse me, it's, it's, could I my band have a picture taken with you?" And Chuck says, "Sure, anytime." And kept on walking. The picture is our manager at the time trying to hold Chuck's <laughs> hand like this. <laughs> sure, anytime. And then he got into his convertible Cadillac with his rather pretty blonde by his side. Put his guitar in the back convertible, by the way, and off he drove. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh yeah. Um I would awesome. have liked to have uh, played with Chuck Berry, but I've heard some pretty interesting stories. Actually the one thing um I thought was fantastic was uh you've disappeared. Oh there you are. Right. Uh, Keith Richards and Chuck's sixtieth birthday did uh it was in St. Louis, of course, Chuck's hometown, and did a, a a recording and filming called Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but yes. Oh, yes. Keith, Keith Richards like uh, did something for his musical hero, which I thought was really cool. I mean, Keith has to be like this. Uh, I mean, he's made so many great riffs and records. Uh, but, I mean, doing something like that for one of your musical heroes, that's really cool. It really is. Wow. So cool. And well, like you said, I mean, when when you get a chance to play with heroes and and, and you're on stage, you know, it makes a big difference. Now, th I'm sure there's younger artists that consider you a hero. Are there some artists that you know the younger generation that played with you that were like freaking out because can't <laughs> believe I'm playing with Roger Earl? Has there been people like that? I'm sure there have been. 
Yes, I suppose there could be some awkward moments. Um, but uh, no, I, I, you know, I love. Actually, the band loves meeting our fans, and that's what was rough about the COVID nightmare. You know, now you, we always did meet and greets after the show. We would always go out and sign, and you know, shake hands and all that. But the COVID kind of changed that a lot. Um, you know, I've had all my shots. Uh, I've had COVID three times. Uh, you know, didn't die. Um, I would walk, I would make myself get up as opposed to just laying there because, you know, it can knock you back. I don't know if you went through it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I had it three times. So, um, you know, you have to be wary about that. But, you know, life is uh, life is for living. And we just started doing some meet and greets again now. Um, but again, you know, it's that time of year. Uh, COVID. um all that stuff but um yeah i enjoy meeting our fans and uh especially other bands opening acts you know when we're playing with them yeah we hang out and talk and tell stories and porky pies no, <laughs> <laughs> no I, 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 enjoy meet, I enjoy meeting uh younger artists and and uh in all truth i mean uh occasionally i i get a chance to listen to the opening act because we get there an hour or two early and, uh, you know, there's some fantastic players out there who never actually get to sort of earn a living doing what they love doing. But, um, yeah, the music, uh, playing with other acts as well is a lot of fun and meeting people and maybe you encourage them to sort of carry on with what they're doing. Yeah, that, it's um, I enjoy that part of it. It is uh, it is cool. I'm sure it is, yeah. Um, and I know that there, like you said, there's a lot, out there that are they're playing drums and they're trying to be as good as you is there what is there any advice that you would give it like you said it's a different world today what advice would you give to somebody that was starting out playing drums maybe in a band that would that would help them out yeah the hardest thing is actually holding you know keeping a band together i mean you know you have to have i mean instruments are not uh cheap and uh you know recording it's it, and it's changed i remember when i was growing up in england and also when you know i first came to the states in 69 um when i was growing up in england i was like 16 17 years old and we would rent a room above a pub in london or a, a union hall or something and like send out flyers and put an ad in the local paper and people would turn up that doesn't happen anymore the upside, I think, is as far as making music and creating music, uh, that's changed. You know, you can buy a board and a computer, you know, for, uh, I mean, back in the day, a, a board, a neat board would cost $2 million or more. And putting a studio together would cost $5 million. Nobody has that kind of money. But now right. people sit down with their computer. And, uh, you know, if you've got instruments and stuff, that side of it is has, has changed, but going out and like playing, you know, three nights a week in a local band and like playing for 10 hours a night, you know, in little dumps all over the country and sharing a, <clears throat> a bedroom with uh, four or five other people. Um, I think you miss out on something not being out, not doing that. And I I don't think that's some uh, that's not how bands really most bands function today. But uh, the, the truth is, if there's a will, there's a way. If somebody wants to do something, if you want to, you want it bad, you do it uh, to whatever degree of success you you get. Um, it's like when I wanted to play. I mean, that was the only thing I wanted to do. I had a day job. I was a commercial artist. I left school when I was 15 and I I had a job. Uh, you know, drums and cymbals weren't cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you have to work. Um, uh, it's um, But you do it. If that's what you want, if you're hungry enough, you do it. And along the way, you probably uh, enjoy some making music and, uh, you know, hanging out with other players. It's, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I love it. Are you kidding? Sure. Sure. 
in uh what do you think about this the the technology though talking about you know like you said you don't need a, you don't need a band now you can record all you got already made riffs and guitars and bass and drums they don't need you anymore so what do you think about that and what do you think about ai with the fakery and the fake uh, voices and all that stuff well um there's you know over the years look the thing is it depends on how you want to embrace technology the world is always changing it's you know hey just over 100 years ago we couldn't fly Right. There was no such thing as a, as a plane. You know, uh, the Wright brothers were doing their thing. Uh, and now we have jets and we go to the moon and we're off to Mars. So in technology and, and, and change is there. You can't, it's, um, I'm somewhat of a Luddite anyway, but <laughs> when it comes to technology, but I surround myself with talented people. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of hide in the background with all these talented people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's always changing. And, you know, somebody will embrace it. And, and of course, the youth should do that. That's part of their job to change and to improve the world, hopefully. Uh, because uh, I don't think we've actually done such a brilliant job on it. But um, hopefully, the youth will embrace it and change the world. But that's what you do with new technology. You'll take it and go, all right. Um, it's what it is. You can't say no. It's You have to deal with it and hopefully uh, get it right. Right. I hope I hope the future is uh, bright as far as that goes. Uh, and speaking of the future, uh, what kind of shows you got uh, lined up and uh, to celebrate uh, this new album? Um, yeah, we've got a number of shows. We're doing um, a show in New York City at the Iridium it's a record release party and uh, we're going to be playing uh, most of the, the album. We'll also play, of course, a uh, set. And we'll be playing some stuff that we've never played before. It's a party. And then we're going to do one out in California at the Coach House in San Juan Capistrano. Uh, we're going to have a record release party there. We'll be playing most of the album and uh, we'll intersperse it with other stuff. We'll probably play for a couple of hours. That's the fun part, you know. Right. Just right. And um, and we've got some more shows coming up. We've got um, <clears throat> Christmas is coming up. We're we're, we're going. We're doing a couple of uh, benefits to raise uh, money and toys for children. Awesome. It's all about the kids, anyway. You know. Yes. Uh, us old bastards, like I've got. Uh, <laughs> been terrific and doing and i it it gets me like when you know children get ill and like don't have a chance to really sort of live so we do what we can for that that's that i'm pleased about that you know we're in a position to do that from time to time just to help out and uh as the song goes i'm gonna roll till i'm old and rock till i drop i don't feel very well <laughs> get, get the duct tape and tape yourself to the back of the chair there there you go. T tape hat. Duct tape hat, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate you talking to me. I I'm going to go jam to the album since I got a, a sneak uh, listen. Uh, okay. I can uh, listen to more of it. Have a listen to the new record again, and uh, maybe you can even give me uh, your critique about it because I'm I'm always interested. I'm, I, I really love the album, and, and the band is really excited and pleased with what we've done especially the way we put, I think, some really good songs together and the way we played. But uh, I would I would, uh, I would, would like to hear your critique of it, actually. Sure, I'll do a video, uh, but I won't give anything away until maybe I'll do it on November the 10th or something. But, uh, but that, right. that's it, right? The, uh, that's when it comes out. Mojo. Sonic Mojo. Sonic oh. Mojo, November 10th. Oh, no, let me let me read it again. Can I read it again? Yes, sir. So what does Sonic Mojo mean? It means Sonic. Adjective. A frequency within the audibility range of the human ear of waves and vibrations. Yeah, I like that. Mojo. A noun. A charm. An amulet thought to have magical powers. 
<laughs> Magic. And show hey, show the album more time with the uh, uh with the colors and so and the inside and everything too. But so cool. I love it. The purple record, the vinyl, so awesome. Man, I gotta get that. I, I need one of those. Yeah, maybe uh, that's awesome stuff. Well, I thank you for talking to me today. I, I've had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I, I have too, Gary. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I have too. Um, nice, nice day to wait. It's a beautiful day out as well. I'm in New York on Long Island. It's sunny. Last week it's it rained yeah. seven days. We had floods, but today's really oh, wow. pleasure it's talking to you, Gary. Yes, sir. It's. I think it's going to be a good day. It's uh, it's it's real sunny outside, but I'm I really I'm going to go jam to your music. So, but I I will I'll do a review of it, and uh, and it'll be a good one. But I thank you for hanging out, and uh, we'll have to do it again one day. In my pleasure, Gary. Thanks Peace a lot. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I appreciate you. If you'd like to check out more about Foghat, go to their website foghat.com. Pick up that album on November the tenth. And until next time, everybody, whatever you do, keep the music real.